Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Crazy Stupid Bromance by Lissa K. Adams. This came out just a couple of weeks ago in 2020 and is the third book in the Bromance Book Club series. You know, let's let's just get straight into this one because I think we have a lot to say. So let's start with Jacket. Alexis Carlisle and her cat cafe, Tobin, have shot to fame after she came forward as a victim of a celebrity chef's sexual harassment. When a new customer approaches to confide in her, the last thing Alexis expects the woman to claim their sisters. Unsure of what to do, Alexis turns to the only man she trusts, her best friend, Noah Logan. Computer genius Noah left his rebellious teenage hacker past behind to become a computer security expert. Now he only uses his skills for the right cause. But Noah's got a secret. He's madly in love with Alexis. When she asks for his help, he wonders if the timing will ever be right to confess his crush. Noah's pals in the Bromance Book Club are more than willing to share their beloved manuals to help him go from bud to boyfriend. But he must decide if telling the truth is worth risking the best friendship he's ever had. A hacktivist and a calf ca- a hacktivist and a cat cafe owner decode the friend zone in this romantic comedy from the author of Undercover Bromance. You know, I honestly I don't want to talk about the jacket because it's okay. Actually, the jacket's fine. I think the jacket's fine. It gives you what you're going to get in the book, except for the fact that that last sentence says romantic comedy. Because I do not think that this was a rom-com. I would argue that this jacket is a good summary of the romance, and the romance is like the (laughs) C-plot. Yes. Okay. I agree. So let's do our summary so you get an idea of what you're actually going to get in this book. Uh, As you know, we generate a random number between 1 and 50 when we write our episodes, uh, and then we write our own summaries based on that random number. And for this episode, that number was 19. So I'll start. I said, if you're looking for a lighthearted friends-to-lovers rom-com, you've got the wrong book. This way for dead parent angst. So my 19-word summary. Alexis's mom died, her boss assaulted her, and now absent dad needs a kidney. Noah's dad died at war. So, I mean, I think you get the feeling that neither of us felt that this was exactly lighthearted. Neither of us mentioned the romance in our 19-word summary. Also true. Because that was not a significant part of the book. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. And that does do not even get me fucking started on the depiction of the friend zone in the jacket. Uh, and I yeah. actually, I thought the jacket was worse than the book was. Yeah. Oh, on that front. Yes. Yes. yes I agree. But, oh my God, this was not only did this book incorrectly advertise itself as a romantic comedy, this isn't like Lissa K. Adams wrote a new book and based on previous books, we were assuming it'd be similar in tone. This is the third book in a series. Mm-hmm. And the last book was explicitly about taking down a serial sexual abuser 
of whom Alexis was one of the, for whom Alexis was one of the victims. We highly praised that last book. For, for taking on a heavy topic in a lighthearted way. Exactly. That did not actually feel like it lessened the topic. Like that book was done so well. Mm-hmm. This book is the opposite. It ratcheted the angst up to 15 out of oh, 10. Oh, dang. I was like, she didn't even go for 11. She went straight to 15. No, it was horrific. In my angry ranting to Meg upon completion of this book, I think I mentioned the word Nicholas Sparks five times. Um, I mean, I think it was something like that. You know what, guys? I will I will post some of this, some of the text messages. I've been... Uh, so I guess let's plug Instagram. If you follow us on Instagram, sometimes I'll put our really awesome behind the scenes texting in our stories because we're really cool on the podcast, but we also yes. are really funny when we text each other. And you can find that at Plotress on Instagram. Yeah. So but yeah, I out. was pissed because, and I'll put this under trope number one. In Nicholas Sparks books, I feel like someone always has cancer. Someone's always, like, injured or died in war. And then there's always a third level of, like, secret angst. This is whatever that was. Nothing about this book was funny or fun. And even some of the mitigating factors that usually exist in this in this series with the book club itself did not work for me in this book. And we'll get to why later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree. A trope that I just have to call out that I don't have a positive or negative opinion on. We once again have a hero with two first names. <laughs> yeah. And she kind of does too. Yeah. So we've got like. I don't know if Carlisle's a woman's name though. Probably not a woman's name, but I just remember it because it's one of Lord Ingram's kids' names. <laughs> uh, it's also the dad in Twilight, Meg. That's not <laughs> what first jumped to my mind. <laughs> okay, so. Um, Never. But yeah. And like, th- there honestly, there were not a ton of romance tropes in this book because there were really more like hospital tragedy tropes. But they are friends to lovers, we guess. Even their meet cute happened when she was crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, are we done with tropes? I think we're done with tropes because we really... That's, that's my whole list because I just want to yell. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the things that fell flat for me about their romance, too, is that they met in the previous book. So if you read the, the second book, you read about them meeting. But it wasn't, like, super in-depth, like, meet cute, whatever. And then in this book, when this book starts, they've already been friends for a really long time. So I miss them actually being like the buildup of their friendship. Does that make sense? Yeah. That said, I do think she did a good job explaining it in hindsight. Sure. That was fine. But there, I don't know if there wasn't enough in the book or if there just wasn't enough romance in the book. And so it felt, I would argue that's just it. I don't, I don't think I more of the buildup to them where they are now. I needed yeah. more scenes between them where they are now that didn't involve one or both of them crying. Mm-hmm. I agree. That didn't involve one of them being screamed at or treated badly. I mean, I literally don't think there was a single scene between them in this book where one of them was not under extreme emotional duress from 
the first scene where he walks into her cafe and she's just been screamed at by the business owner across the street who is mad at her for reporting sexual harassment Mm -hmm. to his birthday party when his weird stepfather figure is screaming at him about how he should have gone to prison or some shit. Mm -hmm. Like, there is literally not a single lighthearted scene between the two of them. That, mm-hmm. Or even if the scene is tried to be presented as lighthearted, that one of them hadn't just experienced extreme emotional distress before the scene. Yeah. Okay. Was there anything you liked about this book? I like Melissa K. is a good writer. Yeah, she's a good writer. I liked the bromance stuff. Uh, I so I liked so in this book, Mac is planning the wedding. Mm. His own wedding, and I really liked that he was planning the wedding. I know that maybe this is something like this is really stupid to be into, but I like really dug that Mac was like embracing the wedding planner persona, and I liked that the bromance club was kind of helping him out with it. Sure, but I think my problem with that whole thing was that was the time that they were using to try to indoctrinate Noah into the book club and mm-hmm. I actually thought the book club's advice to Noah throughout this book was very bad oh I thought that I thought it was bad I was very confused because the book club um recommended a book to him so he was like guys I love Alexis and I want to I want to take it to the next level but I'm scared and they're like we're gonna help you out but the book that they gave him was not a friends to lovers book it was a second chance romance slash secret baby book. Correct. And I was so confused about why they would choose that one. But it's one, I don't understand why they picked the motifs they did. Two, unlike the first two books where the excerpts from the books that they picked for them were really fun, the t- only two excerpts from the romance novel in this book were angsty and sad and involved people crying. Yeah. And. Like, I will specifically call out the first scene where Alexis and Noah finally kiss. He pulls away to sort of just talk about the change in their relationship. She freaks out and flees the scene. And the guy's like, you're an idiot. She's finally coming on to you and you, like, want to pull away. It's like, no, 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 no. She is not the only person whose feelings matter in this relationship. If he felt a need to talk about it before they took things to the next level, he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought the advice actually ended up subverting it's like becoming uh, the woman is always right trope that pissed me off. Mm, yeah, that's fair. And um, I think all the wedding stuff was tainted for me by the fact that it was them giving this really shitty advice to poor Noah. That's fine. That's fair. Um, also, I think I think it was neither of us like Second Chance Romance or Secret Baby. I think having to read that, like, especially Secret Baby, I uh, don't like Secret Baby romance. Um, Unless it's not her baby. Unless the whole secret of the baby is that it's, like, a foundling child. (laughs) Then I'll read it. I have no interest in any of those things. (laughs) I read a lot of romance. But, like, Uh, this is not a Secret Baby book. Why was I forced to read a Secret Baby book within this book? Exactly. That's that's what I'm trying to say here. But yes, exactly. What did you think about the friend zone? So I know both of us have very strong feelings about the whole idea of the friend zone. I thought the book didn't lean into it too heavily. Mm-hmm. And the only time it was brought up was somebody saying to him, man, you're friend zoning yourself, which would be fine. Guys and girls can be friends, except you clearly don't want to be. 
Yes, but and then also in, in the same conversation, someone is like, dude, don't even say the word friend zone because that doesn't exist, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that's cool at least. Right. Yeah, so I thought that was all very, very fine. Uh, if this book had really been about the two of them going from friends to lovers, given that he was still sort of emotionally distant from everyone in his life because of his past, and she had just gone through what she'd gone through, I could have liked their romance. My problem with this book has nothing to do with their romance. Mm-hmm. The problem with the I book is what the book is actually about. What's the plot of this book? It's not them trying to get together. That, like, as Lane said, is like B or C plot. It's her finding out her absentee father is alive and needs a kidney transplant and her extended secret family asking her if she's a match. That's what this book is about. Mm-hmm. With and a B plot of him working through the issues that his dead dad caused and his hacktivist past. Uh, <laughs> I I felt very emotionally manipulated by this book. I I, I also, teared up at several points. I cried a couple of times. You know, it it wasn't fun at all. No. I also just want to point out because this is one of my like I am sensitive to it things. The B plot in terms of the guys in the book club was the Russian. Oh, right. Also falls into, first of all, he's disgusting, and I don't like gross-out humor. Mm-hmm. So his presence on the page inherently means an increase in that. But two, like, I less of a fuck about his weird marriage. Like, they presented him as this, like, disgusting butt of every joke. And it's fine if those characters float in the background, but, like, he's clearly going to be the prep protagonist of the next one. And after the way this one was handled, like, I'm actually not interested. Like, I don't want to read the next one. Yeah. See, I don't have any problems with gross-out humor. Like, zero problems with it at all. So, I'm totally interested in hearing about um, the Russian. Well, you can read that one and then post about it on Instagram. (laughs) We'll see. I can't read a whole book about It's like she's publishing these, like, every six months, too. So, offensiveness and content warning, Meg. Um, like I said in my summary, there's a lot of dead parent angst because she's got a dead mom, he's got a dead dad, they got to deal with all this death, and then she discovers that she has a father that, so she was raised by a single mother, her mother's dead, so now she's like an orphan, but now she discovers that actually her father is alive and well and has been living about an hour away for like 20, 30 years uh, and has never looked her up, tried to find her or anything. So, and I'm sorry, he's dying too. Yeah. I was like, there's a reason I was telling people, oh yeah, because he's going to die. So uh, she all is a- the parent figures are like dying. Sorry. Yes. Um, she is a sexual assault survivor, as we mentioned. That's actually not a big part of this book, but content warning. Yeah, it's not a big part about this book. It's not something that pissed me off about this book. There's a lot of medical stuff in this book that Mm -hmm. is very true to life. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if you, I don't know if you read the afterword, but uh, I guess Lissa K. Adams is very familiar with this because someone in her family got a kidney transplant. 
And so she's not only is it like very evocative and emotional on the page, it's also very true to life. Like this is how transplants happen. Uh, this is how it feels when you go in to get surgery. So it's very um, realistic and it's very difficult to read if you have issues with medical stuff or imagining your parents going through medical stuff. Yep. Um, there's also a lot of like military industrial complex angst. And I don't think it's handled very well. I don't think no, it's handled, handled very poorly. So his dad was killed in war. Mm-hmm. And he then leaked a bunch of documents um, exposing some of the hypocrisy of war. Mm-hmm. His dad's like best war friend came home and inserted himself into their family and acted like a macho piece of shit to Noah. And then plot twist, twist, plot twist, uh, Alexis's biological father worked for a military contractor that was under federal investigation for corrupt behavior. So it's not handled very well. You have to deal with war death becomes a central part to the final conflict Mm -hmm. and finally this is not a content warning but i did find it i actually found it kind of offensive so noah is this sort of traditional computer geek slash hunk who's got the man bun and like glasses and a beard and stuff like that and at the very end he has like a grease style makeover where he becomes like a preppy hot guy and he like gets a haircut and shaves off his beard and I remember being like she fell in love with him when he was just his normal self and I I couldn't I didn't really understand where this makeover was coming from like is it because he I think it was partially supposed to show how now he's come to terms with I'm no longer the guy who wants to, you know, destroy the military industrial complex. And I just want well, my whole identity isn't a rebellion against my clean cut crew cut father. I mean, yes, but also, I don't know. It, I, I think it was because I was finding it kind of fun that there was this unconventional romance hero who wasn't like, didn't have the, the, you know, sharp jaw and the, you know, the unfashionably short hair. Don't worry, though. He still had the cut lines and the tight body with no explanation. Uh, I had no that part. I was enjoying the man bun. Like, in real life, I probably wouldn't be into a man bun, but I liked it here. Oh, I just meant that, like, I wanted to know where that six-pack came from if he sits behind a computer all day. Oh, yeah. Well, he doesn't just sit behind a computer. You know, he takes his security van out, too. (laughs) Okay, yeah, so... He's still sitting behind a computer in the back of the security van. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, basically, we didn't, we just didn't find that this was romance or comedy. So definitely not rom-com. Correct. There was some cute stuff with these, with her cat, I guess. I, I loved Beefcake. Beefcake yeah. is the best character in the book. Okay, so, okay. We talked about the things we liked, and it, Lane and I were actually kind of mixed on what we liked, but we both liked the cat. Beefcake. <laughs> yes, Beefcake, beefcake is great. The cat. 
So guys, if you love cats and you really like Nicholas Sparks kind of like tragedy porn, this book is probably for you. I'd say so. So Meg, was this book sexy? I mean, if we're going to look at it in terms of the number of like sexy scenes, this book probably had more than the first two. But they all happen smack dab in the middle of the book, back to back to back. That's true, because, you know, when she's prepping for surgery and then comes out of surgery, she can't have sex. But I think what bothered me is, like, literally, there is one makeout that is when the emotional freakout happens and he gets tons of bad advice. Then there's the next kiss is the initiation to this wild fucking frenzy. Mm -hmm. And then after, like, literally three sex scenes back to back to back, they go home he immediately goes down on her in her living room. And then that's it in terms of, like, there's, like, reassuring pecs through the rest of the book, but, like, that's pretty much when any physical intimacy for them ends on the page. Yeah. I actually felt like the sex felt really abrupt, that it went from zero to 60 and then cut off immediately, and I was really taken aback by the way it was handled. Yeah, well, I mean, for me it's hard so I'm not a huge rom-com person. And so I, I felt that this was rom-com sexy, but slightly sexier than the average rom-com. Hmm. I mean, those three th- scenes that involved explicit sex in the middle were like graphic. Mm-hmm. But I think this, that, that's where I'm saying there's a difference between like graphic and sexy. These were by far the most graphic of this series so far, but I would not say it was the sexiest of the series so far. Well, in case you guys are wondering, this book does have some explicit graphic sex in it. And whether you find it sexy will probably depend on whether you're into dead parent angst and hospital angst. Because if you are, you're going to like love this book. I mean, you look, there is a market for these books out there. It just isn't us, I guess. I mean, if you really love Nicholas Sparks, but when reading it, your thought is, I wish there was porn. Yeah. Like that. That's this. If this is your, if this sounds like your cup of tea, you'll like it. Yeah, exactly. It's a well-written angsty book with some explicit sex turned in the middle. I have no interest in anything it had to offer. Yeah, I I think that was, honestly, I think the issue is just that, I mean, we talk a lot about how we love, like, a low-angst romance, and this was as high as you can get without dead baby angst. Honestly, though, the angst really wasn't between the two of them. No, it wasn't. Which is what made it frustrating. Like, usually we say we love that, right, when, like, any angst in a book isn't actually between the two main characters, but here... took so much precedence over the romance right? that it just didn't work for me. And if I had one actual criticism, because I think a lot of what we said, we've tried to be objective and say, like, this is personal preference. Mm-hmm. This does not feel like a third book in the same series. I agree. I would totally agree uh, with that. Other than having recognizable characters, the tone, the vibe, even the degree to which the other characters appear did not feel like an organic continuation of that series. I agree. So, well, I think 
think that puts a cap on it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on Instagram at Plattress or on Goodreads at Plattress.